What's up, I'm Jeff Weiss, a writer. And I'm No Can Do, a rapper. <laughs> and this is Shots Fired, a podcast about hip-hop and hookahs. Man, pass me a hookah. We just spent the last five minutes, but I've spent the last five days watching the video for Young Thug and, and uh, Tyga's hookah. The one that they filmed on the set of Dalsum's Level in Street Fighter 2. <laughs> yeah. Like, I interviewed Tyga this week, and, like, the first thing I said to him was I was like, the video for Hookah is transcendent. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, no, really, though, but it's the best video I've seen, like, in my life. There's monkeys, there's, there's llamas. There's an elephant dancing. A dancing there's a cockatoo in a crown. Yeah. I think Lily Ty, the porn star, is in there. There's Pitbull. Pitbull's there, too. There is... Young thug in an electric red sport coat with with no undershirt, just like a blazer. Yeah. Like Miami Vice, but no undershirt. Yeah. Smoking hookah. Everyone's smoking hookah. Yeah, I know. Like, why would you smoke a hookah in the jungle? Like, I, I thought hookah, hookah came from the desert. It's more of like an Arabian kind of desert. Kind yeah, of, but that yeah. was like a like the Asian jungle. Like, like that's like almost like Indian, Indonesian, <laughs> you know. That's not... That's not whatever. I mean, I, most I, people I, speak Arabic that smoke hookah, but I'm I actually like it. Do you enjoy a hookah? Um, I haven't had hookahs for a long. I used to do. I used to go win battles at this place called uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's out in the valley. It's a oh, hookah lounge. The red, the red something, right? I don't know. What it's I know called. in Tarzana. I don't know if it's in Tarzana. It's right. It was right by Cal State Northridge, but basically, okay. I used to win. They used to give us free hookah. Because we kept customer service, we kept winning. You didn't get a hookah, you just got hookah. We get, hookah, we would have hookah. You get then, the hookah hookup. Yeah, the hookah hookup, and then they would yeah. give me free bongs, and I would just, I was like the bong fairy. I would just give out bongs every week to people. <laughs> I like won at least ten bongs, and then like I kept winning, and they're like, "Here, you're just gonna get pipes now." <laughs> you're like, by the end, you were just getting like tin foil that they shaped in the shape of a pipe. Yeah. But I don't have any friends that want to do hookah with me these days. And my wife is, like, not down with tobacco smoke. There's a nice little hookah restaurant, a restaurant that has hookah right by my house. And I'm like, hey, baby, maybe we should go try hookah this this weekend. And she's just like, I don't know. I think about it. I think, you know, maybe this time I'll go. And she never really. That's what Tyga's planning on is that. He's trying to get black China to, to like, be okay with the hookah. Yeah. Because black women aren't cool with the hookah. I mean, maybe they are. I know my wife's not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've 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 been on a hookah date before. I'll like go on one again. Yeah, you don't even smoke tobacco, do you? No, I'll smoke a spliff, but mm. I don't like I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I used to smoke cigarettes, but yeah. So like smoking hookah, like does that like trigger your like nicotine? Like uh, I'm weird with cigarettes. I like could smoke it and not smoke it. No, and man, never I mean, got hookah. addicted. A hookah? No, I mean I don't think it really affects you the same way. I don't think it like is like smoking a cigarette. It doesn't feel it. I think it's like filtered through. Do you inhale this water? stuff? Like you Yeah, inhale you inhale the hookah. I didn't inhale it, I didn't inhale it back you in the day. I didn't I didn't smoke cigarettes back in the day, so No, no I inhaled. Mm. Yeah, they used to have a couple in Westwood, the Habibi Cafe, nice. which I believe means love, but I'm not sure. Really? <laughs> I think so. That's right. And they also had It doesn't matter. None of our listeners care. Um so I did interview Tyga, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I didn't like go in. You're like, what do you expect? You're interviewing Tyga. Uh, tell me more, man. Well, his studio. Tell has me more. Two tell Egyptian... me more. Or did he have a car? <laughs> we went from a hookah to the Grease soundtrack. Yeah. Um, we both know, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he had two Egypt busts, like kind of like Sphinx busts, like the you know the head yeah. of the pharaoh. Yeah, he had two of them, just just chilling at the underneath the flat screen TV at the front. Yeah, he had a nice fruit platter. <laughs> yeah. He had lava lamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were like nice icicle lights up there. Lava lamps. Like a, he had like a lava lamp. He had like a nice IKEA thing too, which was randomly in the corner. For yeah, <laughs> it was like kind of like a dorm room, yeah. sort of, but like of like somebody very into Egyptology. That's what happens when you, you know, when you're like, uh, when you have a lot of money. History like, Channel was on. You just, yeah, you, you're straight. You never, you never leave college. <laughs> yeah, we was like 24, so I guess like his college years were like literally doing Rack City. Yeah, yeah. And Rack so- City was like his fucking dissertation. Like that was just like his like last graduate year. with honors. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, do you ever feel pigeonholed? You know, it was like a strip club rapper, and then he was like, let me play you something. And then he plays me like Tyga's Yeezus, executive produced by Kanye. But what's it called? It's like called like gold, like some kind of like letter. I'll, I'll tell you right now. It's like gold, like the 18th letter or something ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah. Cause the, the, some the kind tea. of Egyptology, not mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, and it was like Yeezus. But made by Tyga, so it was kind of ridiculous, but also like kind of good because Kanye and Mike Dean are like executive producing it. Oh, it was yeah. like kind of good, yeah. Uh, it might be terrible when it comes out, I don't know, but yeah, it was very like wild sounding production. And then like I was like, so what is Kanye? And he's like, yeah, he's like, he just tells me what to put in and what not to put in. And just, he's like, so he's got his whole like the way he's thinking about music. So that explains why Tyga and Black China were at the wedding because I think I was like. Why were Tiger and Black China at the wedding? That's so random. Well, no, no, no. They've been hanging out. See, my wife's hella into, like, okay. celebrity. Uh, yeah. Keeping I, up with some celebrities yeah. and stuff. And, like, Black China and Kim Kardashian are... Are they friends? They're tight like this. Oh, really? They're so that's probably like how that. they started hanging out then. And then, you know, like... Your wives are friends. So and then, like, like, they're, like, you know, this basically like a play date. Like a boyfriend rap, play date. You make rap. Kanye my makes rap. My boyfriend's a rapper. My boyfriend's a rapper. <laughs> and then, then, don't, don't say Kanye makes rap. He doesn't like one <laughs> Then they put you in the Kanye, same room together. Kanye makes art. <laughs> and then you hit it off exactly. And I'm sure Tyga... Tyga <laughs> is... Like, is I want to make art. He's, like, humble enough to, like... Oh, yeah. He's, like, humble enough to be, like... To be Kanye's, like, to be produced. He was, like, a cool dude. <laughs> he was a pretty nice, very nice and, like, a yeah. thoughtful person. And mm. uh, he, he was very eager to play his new stuff because he was, like, it's pretty good. It's definitely the best stuff Tyga's ever done. But I, I, I've i always actually liked, I didn't like Tyga's last Tyga album. Tyga raps his ass off. Tyga's last album is really bad, but uh, his singles are good and his well-done three mixtape is actually, like, a really good ratchet rap. It's kind of, like... YG's it's not as like narrative based as my my crazy life but it's like yeah, yeah. a good ratchet rap you know mustard and mustard sounding beats like a lot of bangers but not enough like direction totally so now now it's called the gold album 18th dynasty really which like of course his new album is going to be called that yeah executive produced by Kanye it's so weird mm-hmm. but it was cool well Tiger's always been like he's mace I realized not he's not corny this the word is not corny but it's always it's always like like the the idea like the overall encompassing idea of his records are usually not the best ideas it's like totally. i'm just gonna sample totally. every west coast totally that's what rap record so that bad. ever happened i'm like no, no you're a west coast rapper you have to do something that people wouldn't expect Tiger, <laughs> like do the that. thing the tupac thing and then you had like he had like sampled one eight seven or he sampled deep cover and you're just like just bad ideas abounding yeah but no <laughs> but guess what like if a, if a guy from the east coast did it song. or something yeah. he'd be like oh fur that's a great idea, Ferg. <laughs> but, like, so he needs somebody to come and tell him, like... <laughs> he has Kanye now. This whole idea about you wanting to, like, have the whole record be about, you know, uh, you know, one trip to Disneyland that you took or whatnot. Let's <laughs> not do that. And let's talk about you and 
this mega stripper girlfriend that you have, and you know the Tyga pet that you have, and the like. Let's just let's just talk about what you yeah, already it's got. It's like still Tyga rapping over like the wildest production you've ever heard. And you're just really? Like, yeah, it's, it's. Is it still like? Is it still gonna work in the strip club though? <laughs> no, that's the thing. I don't think it's going to work. That's, that's fucked up. I, what if you just fucking walked into but, McDonald's one day and it was all Chinese food? But that's what hookah has. And it was good Chinese food. Hookah. I don't know if strippers can Hookah's strip Hookah's not hookah. going to work in the strip no, club. it's not going to work in the strip club. I can take it there right Wrong now. Tempo. I can tell you. Wrong tempo. I'll just, let's, let's just fucking take it there. Let's see what happens. I'm going to Sam's offer right now. And my, right now. Excuse me, ladies. Excuse I know me. this is weird. Play hookah. DJ. We have a podcast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, that's what we should do. We should film. We should have an episode yeah, yeah, live yeah. from Sam's Hoff, bro. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, they do things at Sam's Hoff, bro. Now, uh, Joe Moses. I got invited to a Joe Moses thing at Sam's Hoff on Monday night. Mm. Should have brought you, but yeah, he's gonna you come should. on the podcast. So yeah, maybe you we can brought bring me. Joe Moses. Yeah, you should have brought me. We can have what a, the fuck? I didn't go. I didn't what go. The fuck? I didn't go. I was busy. What the fuck? <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. You know I love Sam's Hoff, bro. And you, yeah. All right, yeah. What else? What you had? Low in Theory Festival this weekend? Yeah, I had Low in Theory Festival. I was there a day. It was. It was. And so, you, and you saw me Saturday. You could have been like, guess what? Strip club. <laughs> I didn't know about it. It was a last minute invite. Okay. Monday. Well, I can't go to the strip club on such short notice. Yeah, yeah you got to get ready for that mentally. Yeah. Yeah. For weeks. You have to get your racks ready. <laughs> uh, it takes a long time to get all the rubber bands. Yeah, I. I uh, we did the Lone Theory Festival. It sold out like months before, so it was like the least stressful yeah. fucking event we've ever thrown. And, uh, you know, I performed on the first day, and I hosted all the second day. And uh, a lot of just walking around. The second day was really cool. Like, upstairs, we had like... Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Shia LaBeouf was there. <laughs> Will I Am was there. And I, I didn't even know Will I Am was there. I, I've been wanting to freestyle with Will I Am for like fucking... You know, 15 years. I've been wanting to freestyle with Shia LaBeouf for like 15 years. Shia LaBeouf was trying to get me to freestyle. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, he also like get me in the Indiana Jones sequel, Shia. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he's he was he was he was a uh, very I don't know if he was drunk or if he was just like he was just like what's up? I love being here. <laughs> I believe the kids called turned up. He was turned up. He was turned up. He was yeah, turned up. Good for Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Um and yeah that's. You know, there's that cool. dad life, you know. Dad life. Been on this on this bike trying to like, you know, oh, yeah. stay stay slim. Yeah. You know? Showing off it. the tattoos. Showing off the tattoo, the eleven year old tattoo. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about getting more though. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I'm getting to, I don't want to alienate our tattooed listenership. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about getting one more at least. Um, that's cool. Make it meaningful. Yeah. Get like some kind of like cherry or like a some like a fairy of some sort. Like, Maybe. do you ever like meet like do you, do you ever like see someone and you're like like I do this all the time because I'm you know like the gym or something or at a yoga class of some sort and you see someone and you're like you're like yeah that person has like a fairy tattoo or like that for like or, but like, I like to think that they got them like when they're especially women. Yeah. Women have bad bad tattoos all the they have the worst usually women that I bump into. I feel bad probably because I meet yeah. them at nightclubs and you know. <laughs> shit like that but uh while performing you know you know and they it's usually like you know maybe they got the cherries or the fairy or the hello kitty oh, or yeah. the fucking chinese writing all when they're, a lot, 18, of men they're chinese, 18. a lot of men with chinese writing as well there's a lot of yeah yeah that, that one I mean, that one's that one's equal. men have a lot of like barbed wire tattoos the yeah, only thing do. men can get away with is that the, like they haven't been tramps the tramp stamp was a really bad tattoo. But what's the, the male 90s. tramp stamp? The male tramp stamp is, is, there the, male is the neck. Is the neck right now? The face? No, the neck. The neck. That's, that's the male tramp stamp. Yeah, like you're gonna. Re- you're, there's no way you're not gonna get a neck tattoo in ten years. Dude, I was at this fucking restaurant, man, and uh, 
the whole staff like had like tatted faces and you know it was it was yeah it was Tiger wild. had an eye tattoo I I'd was... imagine like the waiter would come up to me and be like hey nigga what you want it was like that kind of vibe <laughs> but it was a high end thing but it's just the the face tattoos were <laughs> outrageous man he's a rapper he can have face tattoos yeah like, yeah I mean I guess like when your kids are like what did you do you're like have you seen the hookah video yeah have you seen Rack City <laughs> yeah Rack City's video is equally disjointed not as good but more hilarious but yeah. also very funny. It's like women are golfing for no reason in bikinis, thong bikinis. And you're just like, I love Tiger's imagination. Well, here's the thing. I thought Rack City was like more intended to be funny. Hookah is like funny because it's just like. I think it's intended. It's to be like, funny. it's like Ong Bak 3. That's what fucking, that's what that video, Ong Bak 3. That video is fucking taken from there. It's like, we're in the jungles of Thailand. You know, there's a fucking rich king. You know, his Don't name know. is Tiger. And then he's got an elephant, and then he's got his harem. And as well as and his harem. Hookahs. Yeah, there's. And his hookahs. And his hookahs. And then, you know, he's got a guy with a little mousy voice, and he keeps saying things. He's the one that speaks for him. <laughs> that's you know? Young Thug. That's Young Thug. <laughs> that dude, he just took that shit from Ong Bak 3. We got it. Fucking podcast over. Done. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a weird. I, and then my other, I had a lot of interviews around this way. I did uh, disclosure. Mm-hmm. Br- British house superstars, and they're like twenty one years old and like super nice kids. And you're like, they're so famous at twenty two years old. And 19. I was listening to their music on the. I listened to a song on on a plane uh, recently, and I was like, damn, everybody likes these these people. This is not the place to listen to this music, though. On the plane on is the not plane, the place. No, no, yeah, not that. I mean, it's it's like people. It's weird. It's become like a mainstream. Mm-hmm. Top forty, huge like sensation type thing, and just kind of strange for like a house group from England. Yeah, but I think they write good. I think their singles are really catchy. Yeah, yeah, they're well written pop songs. And like to be fair, like for a top forty song, it's pretty. Ex- they're pretty excellent songs. I think. What's their What's their single? What's the one? Latch is the one that's like blowing up right now. Latch. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they might not be the most original. I think that's like the knock on them is that they're sort of like kind of like sa- they're very safe and revivalist type thing. But it's like on some level, it's like it's their first album. They're like kids, so like everything that Britain does. Is re- I mean, sorry to say it, Britain, <laughs> but you guys are the revivalists. Well, yeah, we were talking of actually about that, where it was like, you know, you have like a Rolling Stones will take things that like, mm-hmm. you know, well, Americans' house is obviously an American invention, but then like we are like, nah, we don't want anything until the year 2010. This is how, this is how it this, this is how it goes. <laughs> Let it go. It's like you have it, England. It's like all right, some uh, it's like some you know some uh, black guys from the hood do it, uh, either gay and or uh, criminally inclined, or both. you know, or both, right? And then Americans try it, but then they fail because they're too close. And it's also like not going to be popular. And everyone's the like, white get some money. Like, yeah, yeah, but then the British take it and they just get it. They it just gets, get it. It gets popular. I get blues. <laughs> I get house. I get you know. And it, it sounds like it's from either a gay or criminally inclined black person. Yeah. Except it, it has the it has a what, little bit of that when they speak. Well, like Sam the Smith, the singer on Latch, like literally is a 22 year old who sounds like a like a 45 year old black woman. Exactly. And you're like he gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no way there's no American woman. That doesn't like a British accent. Well, Mary J. Blige loves them, so go figure. Like ah, she, she, she came out there. at Coachella. That co-sign right there is a good is, moment. Is, yeah. is done. Yeah, Mary J. Blige was a big fan. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna be huge. Yeah, um, Mary J. Blige is great, man. Yeah, she's pretty tight. Oh, I, I, speaking of Mary J. Blige, because Mary J. Blige does is, anyone not like Mary J. Blige? I mean, I feel no, like no, 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 no. She's she's golden. Yeah, Mary J. Blige is like Flea. There's I think a few, more than a few even 90s Beyonce. Pop stars. I think more than Beyonce, Mary J. Blige is like inviolate. Well, no, it, people I don't say, like Beyonce. 
people like Beyonce, but it's like liking the Lakers too. You know, there's like people that just hate the Lakers. Yeah, true. Or you, or at least the Lakers while they're winning. Coca-Cola or something. It's like yeah. But so we bring up Mary J. Blige, I've right? Seen her and then so her step, her sister, her no, her uh, her stepdaughter is a chick named Brianna Latrice, who's a chick that used to kick, kick it with us back in the day. She's also the girl that like punched Charles Hamilton in that video. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the homegirl. I, I like her work. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh. So remember when I was going, I go through these phases, like last year it was soccer jerseys, you know, the year before that, it was Troy Ave. Yeah. <laughs> the year before that, I was painting my nails black, you know? Troy Ave. No, no. <laughs> but Charles Hamilton is like painting his nails black and yeah. I just, I, and I just, I just want to punch him, man. I just want to be like, just stop, stop. I like, like, I know your, I know your ex bitch saw me when I was going through my phase or your baby's mama, your secret baby's mama. Do not, don't use things that I do. To don't use things that I do to give yourself a new look, You're especially your nails black. Yes, you were. I was around. You made fun of me for it. Good, you were around. <laughs> Way to go, Jeff. But um, the bitches loved it though. Yeah. I can see why he's doing it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you were, you were essentially peacocking. As they I was say. peacock. Before that, I was wearing flags out of my back pocket for no reason. Hey, Random I'm country flags. Who, I'm like a, like a guy who looks a garish coat. It's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. I was going to say also, oh yeah, and the other person I interviewed was Absol this week, mm-hmm. which is a new album coming out, which I haven't listened to because they didn't give me the album until like after I turned into the story, but I didn't, honestly didn't really care for what I heard of the early singles, and uh, he fell asleep on me in the interview. That's so funny because I would fall asleep on Absol because he's so boring. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's fired. <laughs> to be fair, I would fall asleep on me in the interview too, but I was like dropping, I was like being like, I was like, you should check out Alice Coltrane, Absol, you will like this. Yeah, like, yeah. I was trying to be a decent journalist. Absol uh, is like those, he's like, he just, he's very deep. You know, he's just, he thinks well, he he's was so like, deep. He was like 11 a.m. and he's like, what? And he had like this homie next to him, like literally they were on the couch and like one of Absol's, it was a Absol's. Child's mother. I don't like to say baby mom. I'd feel baby's weird. mom. Now say the baby's mom. It, you know, it just I feels. When you go into Mexico, you have to call it Mexico. You know, okay. right, baby enough. mom. So the baby's mom. Uh, she had like there was like one decoration in the whole place. There might have been more, but like the only one that I noticed is like it was literally like some girl on like a, a thong bikini on a motorcycle with like horrible tattoos all over her upper body on the back. And this was a decoration. This, this is like, like a, poster? a framed poster, and it was and like she wasn't even that cute. What you like? Was weird. it his baby's mom on the poster? No, no, no. It was oh. just like he was like a reasonably attractive woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was just like, but like had a nice body. But like you're just like, why is this framed? Yeah. It's so weird. It wasn't like a famous. I don't. know, Maybe it was a famous person. Mm-hmm. And then you go. I went in there and like you know. I don't think he's like a bad dude. I think he just is going through some things. And uh, his homie is there. It's like 11 a.m. All I wanted was McDonald's. So like the public brought it. And it was like, it, like the. I the imagine, hum- I imagine that like that Absol is like uh, one of the Brady sisters, the one that was like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha with Kendrick. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like everybody likes Kendrick. I, I'm interesting too. <laughs> Yo, he has crazy people that believe in like like pyramid. Then the Europeans all like. Love oh, I Absol. bet you they love, yeah. Love Absol. Paranoid-ass niggas? Paranoid people love <laughs> Absol. No, he has, like, real dog. He's a quality kind of, or most, you know what I mean? He's a quality, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. No, I knew some... Lupe Fiasco, it's the same. He called himself Lupe Fiasco on drugs. Yeah, yeah. And But, yeah, and there was, like, tons of, there was tons of lean around, just chilling. He had, like, $1,000 worth of lean, more, probably. It's crazy. dope fiend. Uh, yeah, it was, shit was weird. Uh, I'm but, sorry. But, like, like, I wouldn't say it, but I'm like, yo, if you're not going to even go and, like, you just have bottles chilling, you could, like, you know, so I'm, like, a journalist. Mm-hmm. If I see something, I can say it. Yeah. Uh, 
like defending myself. I'm like, yeah. I just hate that, dude. Like growing up in Lamert, Lamert Park, and yeah. like being around or going being in Lamert and just being around like, I, you know, guys of every ilk, walk gangster, you know, five percenter, uh, you know, nation knucklehead tag banger, tagger artsy preppy, all these dudes. The people who I got along with least are the conspiracy theory guys. I just look, I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I'd have it's to just true. fucking, because the thing about it is, they're nice people. <laughs> yeah, they are nice people. But you have to sit and listen, listen to their bullshit. All the time. And politely nod. Like, I don't want to, like, contradict them, because I'm like, you're a nice person, you're mm-hmm. just completely wrong. Yeah. Like, even if you're right, let's say you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Let's say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still want to fucking bake apple pie for McDonald's. Yeah. I still want to just buy a fucking nice watch and fuck a cute girl and not think about fucking the heart project. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I, he but he didn't do uh, do any like he was not that like clear like I kept on trying to get him to like at least like entertain me with your conspiracy theory. He wasn't like having any of it. No, and, but then he fell asleep. Like I was like, so we, I asked him a question about about his album, and then I was like, what do you hope to like? What kind of me-? you know he had, like a vague quote about messages and things he's trying to impart in people. I was like, like what sort of things are you hoping to enlighten people with? And this fool just nods off like just in the middle of the interview, and I'm like, I'm like, there's like this pause. I'm like, I'm like. I know, it was that good of a question. Like, just, like, making, you know, and then, but he's actually out. And his homie, like, meanwhile, I'm interviewing him the whole time, was asleep the whole time. Like, in the middle of the interview. Like, doesn't open his eyes once for, like, an hour. You fucking dope fiends. Can we end this goddamn intro? All right. Let's go into our interview with Blueprint. Yeah, Blueprint is awesome. And, uh, you know, good, great rapper. He doesn't fall asleep in his interviews. He doesn't fall asleep in his interviews, and, you know, the guy been a fan of his music for a long time it was cool they came by mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he has an album out and he has a really good book called adventures in the counterculture too but he'll, we'll talk about it shots fired yeah <laughs> all right what's going on what's going on man how you doing word word who me <laughs> yeah you oh i'm great <laughs> i'm great yeah okay, okay sorry yeah, yeah thanks for having me man Thanks for coming. It's good to be here. I'm yeah, sure man. You guys, you guys are on a 60 city tour. 60 plus. Yeah, I stopped counting at like 60. Uh, really? It's like, it's like prison. It's yeah, just like you count of. the days and this shit gets longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It goes faster when you stop tour, counting. Man. Yeah, with X's. Yeah, I think it's like 60. We had like 60 when we left, and I think we added like five more East Coast. Okay. And so it's definitely like uh, up to 10 weeks now. That's tight. That's tight. Is this your Who's longest it? tour that you've done? No, nah, no. Nah. Nah. I, think, I think I've done longer. My, my first tour was like... 63 shows in 71 days. That was uh, God Loves Ugly tour with Atmosphere. That was the first tour I ever did. 71 days, 63 shows. You didn't have very many days off. Days nah, That's nah. crazy. That's how I learned how to tour. So from there, it was just like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tour. Did you guys play the Roxy? Do you remember in LA? Or, yeah, or, yeah. Who knows the Troubadour, I believe. We played, uh, nah, I think it was the was Roxy. Because then Merce yeah, dissed at, uh, Anacon and... Okay, yeah, yeah. And then and then he he Yeah, that show, he did oh, I so <laughs> That was my there, first I didn't time even realize that there was a beef with Anacon at that point <laughs> huh? between Rhyme Sarah's and Anacon had a lot of beefs. Well, well Mers, Mers, wasn't Olympic, on. Mers was with the Living Legend. It yeah. was the Living Legends and Anacon beef that Mers was kind of speaking on at that time. I think uh, this, is the, this is what I can say about that. That time period <laughs> it's just is just soul. Is that no? It's not, well, soul was yeah. He's like a little rough, you know. But uh, her, uh, I think most like weird black rappers hated Anacon for taking the steam. It was like I would well, agree. when you had, yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. In, 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 in the West Coast, in LA, yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of resentment when they moved out here mm-hmm. and how they weren't. It seemed to me like they they were perceived as not giving it up to the 
yeah. to the people who laid the foundation. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of I'm because I'm from Project well, Blue, and a lot like, of a lot of the the word biter was thrown around a whole lot. Like they just took our that's that's what we do. <laughs> I mean, whether it was right or wrong, but I know that's how people felt. Mm-hmm. Project Blow definitely called a lot of people biters, they which felt was like probably that, valid. That's, which not, was valid. Probably. It was valid, like, at least, like, one-third of the time. I don't know about not, the Bone Thugs and Harmony Freestyle Fellowship thing. I, I think they might have had, but... I can't tell you, bro. You can't tell? I can't tell you. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know what to believe anymore. So what were you listening to when you were growing up? Uh, sh- I couldn't even listen to rap till I was in, like, high school. Oh, yeah. I, really? Yeah, I came up in one of them, like, super strict, like, That's you tight. know, church backgrounds. It was, like, gospel, soul... And then when I got an NWA ta- a tape, like, they I had to hide it, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And then once up, my mom found it, and then she just threw it up against the window, like, you're not playing that in my house! Yeah. And That's uh, crazy. same thing with Above the Law. And, uh, you know, and then I found Biz Marquis' second album, and I could, and that's, that's the first rap funny. album I could play. And I was yeah, like, yeah. check this out, mom. And she would let me play that. She already had mind control under you. She, you, you had to just, pat, you had to like let her see it, dude. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's and you, crazy. You were in like an R&B group when you were in high school, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, man. That's yeah. tight. I never knew that. Yeah, when I was like 14 or 15, we were trying to be like boys to men and mm-hmm. like everything. I was starting to go in studios for that before. Did you have a flat day. top? Oh, of course. Okay, cool, cool. Of <laughs> How was how was your jackets like? Did you have button ups? Did you have like? Uh, we didn't have the whole jacket thing. We didn't no have that together. Yet? Okay. It was just kind of like nice silk shirt, uh-huh. slacks. Uh-huh. We were in high school. We didn't. We didn't. Our accessory game wasn't really tight. Yeah. Was, was this pre or post Jodeci? This was uh, right in the middle there. Like, okay. In, uh, there. You guys were Did you 14, have a guy so... that was like emulating like a Devontae Swing or? No, we needed one of those because we didn't have enough chicks. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if you had a Devontae or a Dalvin, <laughs> you had chicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't have those. We had all Casey's and JoJo's. All <laughs> Casey's and JoJo's, which for the modern times would really work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just for out of your time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, in my mind, I just can't stop thinking about the Soul For Real Candy Rain video right now. (laughs) Was it like that? It was well. We didn't dance. We couldn't dance. You couldn't. Oh fuck, no, man! We, we could just sing and harmonize. We were kind of like a, a like a barbershop quartet. Well, that's why boys okay. and men. I feel like they couldn't really dance either. No, they, they could had, snap. They had the they, like they, they had snap. the slow swaggering walk down. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the dude with the cane. Like the, you know, that like that kind of like crooked walk, like hey, shoulders girl. back. My yeah. favorite dude was that guy, the deep hey, voice guy. Hey girl, hey girl, I was really thinking. <laughs> we should go get that double decker sandwich that has the chicken as a buns at KFC. <laughs> Is that like that? Or I don't know. Yeah, I like that. How it almost became your African dad voice. Yeah, that, <laughs> it always goes in the African dad. I think that's definitely a skit for the African dad doing a boys and men song. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah. girl. It's a running joke. <laughs> I'm your African dad. <laughs> he hey, girl. I am your African dad. <laughs> I am your father. Inshallah. I only get personalized plates for my Mercedes BMW. What is a Mercedes BMW? <laughs> So, right. um, so when you were growing up in, you grew up in Columbus, right? Yeah, yeah. So w- there wasn't really much, lo- w- was there any local hip hop before you uh, guys went out? There was a scene, but it was a small and scattered. Like there was a couple groups that were, I started learning about the Columbus scene in like maybe 95. Mm-hmm. And that's only because like one of the guys who, uh, who was in a group called Brothers Grimm, his mm-hmm. brother went to my school and I was doing college radio and then uh, he brought me a tape mm-hmm. and I was like, yo, what's this? He's like, oh, it's my brother's group demo. And it was really, really dope. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is what kind of got me into the Columbus scene. So then I started, I was going to school about 45 miles away. Uh-huh. Damn. And so then I would drive back 
mm-hmm. to go to like the open mics and that's what school was this uh, wittenberg university okay small liberal arts school okay in uh springfield ohio and uh, I learned about the scene just by coming back and going to like open mics, and that's when so I. So when you were like, there, you weren't really aware of it, but then you went away, got a tape. Uh, well, it started to come up. There, well, it was smaller. There was like a, a one band with a, with, you know, like you have an MC and a and a band, a five piece band, mm-hmm. but it wasn't technically a scene until maybe ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. But I don't want to say scene because it was just dudes rapping, yeah, like yeah. real competitive open mic things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what started. Yeah, happening. no, I uh, he uh, Blueprint actually has a book that you know, as our listeners should actually pick up. It's a really good book. It's called Adventures of the Counterculture. And he kind of t- and you were talking about uh, like seeing Camoteo for the, yeah. when he was like fourteen or yeah, 15 fourteen or, or fifteen. Or, it was I mean, he from Ohio too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Camus, uh, copyright, mm-hmm. all the megahertz, uh, Tage. Logic is uh, awesome on that, right? Yep, yeah, Logic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those were guys. Like you, I would, the first open mics I went to, and I would just see Camus and uh, and RJD too is from there, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they would just be eating people up. Yeah, like fourteen yeah. or fifteen, battling like thirty-year-old dudes, just embarrassing them all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I'm not gonna rap here until I get get the bars good up. enough. Yeah, yeah. My bars are low. And I you, was really like. I was the Napster really let me know what was going on around the world in the underground. And yeah. that this was like you know, uh, ninety nine, two thousand ish or whatnot. Yeah, and so all the megahertz stuff. Like I was really. I into, was like, definitely downloading it all on Napster as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camuteo, Jakai uh, to Mouth. Was he from uh, Ohio too? Yeah, Jakai too. All of them from Columbus. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, really, it was really talented. It was really dope to see all like all that. Was it MHZ there. was with the first camo group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. megahertz. Yep. RJD two was. Yep. So the it was beat maker, right? Well, he yeah. did a couple of beats. They all did, did beats though. Okay. Like um, it was. I mean, cause Pete, I'm sorry, uh, copyright and Camu uh-huh. did beats. Okay. Uh, and they were. Uh, RJ had moved to the West Coast for a while. Okay. And then when he came back, like. Copyright and Camus were already beasts on beats. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They were like 16 or 17. They had a guy who was older in the scene named The Intellect. Yeah, yeah. And he was like in his 20s and he had took them under their wings since they were like 14 or 15. Yeah. yeah. So by the time they were 17 or 18, that's when they their demos were killing. And then another guy took them to meet Bobito. Yeah. And that's what started their deal with Fondalum. Oh, okay. he, t- he took them to New York to meet them yeah. at uh, Footworks yeah. and gave them their demo. And that's what got them on the Fondalum. Really? Yeah. And they were only like 18 at the time. Oh, that's fresh, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So you and you went to school for computer programming. Right? Yeah, computer science. That's crazy. How did you get into that? Uh, money, you know. Like I went to school to be a writer, uh-huh. and then uh, I realized writers don't make no money. What do you lies? Like, <laughs> you make you make <laughs> Jeff cry. Level, you make Jeff cry. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's true though. Look, you can't make any money as a writer unless you're writing movies or TV. Yeah, and I was like, like like money to ever have a family. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they told me that, and I was like, well. Maybe I'll just write on a side, mm-hmm. and I'll just study something that makes money. Yeah, and the I'll book was really well it. written. Yeah, and uh, the blog too. Uh, Word Word is blog. Yeah, yeah, I read that too. Thank you. So, what were you were you like writing short stories like uh, when you were younger? When I was fiction? younger, the first thing I really wrote that made me want to be a writer was like probably my senior year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like assignment about writing a story about something that happened to you in the last two weeks. Mm. And uh, I wrote about a fight we got into. I was working at McDonald's. And we got in a fight with some customers. And I was like, should I turn this in? Damn. And I turned this it is, in. You, you, you basically wrote a world star video. <laughs> yeah. Before, yeah, yeah. We were, that was what it was. We were like yeah. 17. And like, I wrote about this this fight where we had to whoop on these customers. Yeah. And uh, I turned it to my teacher. And she's like, this is really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you should write. This is how, that's how the internet You're goes. like a. That's how the internet kills writing. You could become though. a world star. Because it would have already, because if that <laughs> yeah. happened now, it would just be a world star. Yeah. And then it would be adapted. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, we'd reverse engineer it into a screenplay. <laughs> Right. I am adapting, you still this, have this? I'm adapting this project based off it, of but film I'm, I saw I the world star. Vividly. 
Okay, cool, yeah, man. We I might need to like stage this at a Chipotle. <laughs> it's funny. It's a funny story. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us this story? The story. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, it was. I was like sixteen, and I've been working there since like the day I turned sixteen. Yeah. And uh, you know, I got like all my boys hired. Who used to, we all played basketball together too mm-hmm. for the for the squad. So like we used to kind of terrorize the place because mm-hmm. we were like had more seniority than all the new people and the managers was such high turnover that we would just be like thugging in there kind of. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one day they're like, Nah, you on the fries? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not doing fries. Yeah, exactly. It was just like that. Yeah. Like, hey, Al, can you do the fries? No, but I want the fries. Okay, can yeah. you do the fries? Al doesn't want to. You know, it was like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were like 16. Yeah. And uh, one day we're out cleaning the lobby and it's me and my homie Mark. And it's this big ass pack of teenagers. Mm-hmm. And it's like 10 girls and two guys. And uh, Mark was like, yo, I'm about to holler at them bitches. <laughs> He's like, come over here with me. So we're like, we're fronting like we're sweeping up the lobby, getting closer and closer. <laughs> the sweeping trick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Move the dustpan over. I sweep until he gets like, you know, within range to talk to him. Yeah. So he's hollering. And they're like, ugh, you work at McDonald's? No, you know. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then that just set it all off. And they were like, you know what? Fuck y'all. And they just took all their, their food. And it was like 12 of them. And they threw it all on the floor. And like, then clean up our shit then. And, and we then were like, all oh. fucking third world countries just start crying at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we were like, no, y'all didn't. And, yeah. you know, and, uh, and then uh, the two dudes started getting rowdy. And then they just start talking shit. And they just started leaving. And dude's like, yeah, fuck y'all. And then me and Mark looked at it. Mark was like, hey, man, you want to go whoop their asses? I was like, yeah, let's go do that. <laughs> and so we just, like, put the, the dustpan down <laughs> and walked out. And right in front of the drive through Turn like, the hat back. Like, yeah, yeah, you already know. You already know. That was the first move. Let me take, let me take my name tag off because yeah. I don't want anybody to know. You know, walked out there. And then he yoked up the first dude and started slamming him from car to car. And then I snatched the other dude right from the drive through And then girls just started stomping on our heads. <laughs> I was like, almost got knocked out because some chick was like, I'm punching this dude in the face. And this girl was just stepping on my neck like, bow. Yeah, and yeah. I felt the lights go out for a quick second. I was like, am I out? Mm-hmm. And I woke back up. And Did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. It was just like, it was like you blink and it's like a short blink, short blink, long blink. And I was like, what happened? But I was still holding on this dude like this. You know, I wasn't completely out. So I was like, all right. Yeah. And then they called the cops, and then they tried to file charges on the saying that we jumped them and all this stuff. But you did jump them. <laughs> I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't call it that. We walked out there and we said, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah. <laughs> and it was only two of us. It was twelve of them. No, there was two dudes. It was two dudes and ten girls. <laughs> yeah. So to be fair, that's mind, like that's like four. It, it was some big chicks. The chicks were big yeah. though. That's yeah. One of them was real big. Heels, dude. Heels. Yeah. Yeah. One time I got jumped, and the only person to jump in for me was a chick and I was like if she wasn't there I'd be dead sometimes it just takes a crazy ass girl to kind of <laughs> stop you from getting my your ass my friend that would ever jump into my fights was named Davy Crockett Davy Crockett he's now in the Marines yeah, yeah he would yeah, everyone else was just pussy everyone else was like nah, just yeah, yeah probably deserve it I probably did but a lot of a lot of people stop becoming friends because you get jumped and then the other dude doesn't jump in. Yeah, that's a fact. That's yeah, a fact. Like a deal breaker. Yeah, yeah. Really. even if it doesn't happen, then you know that's when things just start splitting. Yeah, yeah. like know? I like Davy Crockett. Like that guy is. I mean, he's still a good friend, but he, he has a crypto fascist political beliefs. But yeah, you, know, you don't talk about that when you get to the end. Yeah. yeah, that guy would definitely. He did once. It was a couple yeah. big fight. You know, you know. Taking tackling guys, they're trying to pull his shirt over. He just like beat people him up. in the ribs. Yeah, it was really <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. basketball. Playing basketball. That could be, that could have been a world star too. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Damn man. So man, I didn't know you were your own world star like that. Like <laughs> Ohio, man. Yeah. It's rough out there. So were you it a is. Cleveland Cavaliers fan? When you're growing up or no? Nah, not really. You're not no, no fan of Brad Doherty or Mark the Mark Price uh, or Larry Nance. A little or? bit. I was during that era I was a Pistons fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was into the microwave and fighting. Isaiah and <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Bill and Beer. Yeah. yeah. Ohio's got a weird thing, you know, with like the sports, because like if you're in Columbus you know, we don't have any pro sports mm-hmm. teams. Whereas yeah. if you're in Cincinnati, you got the Bengals and you got the Reds. But the Bengals always suck. Yeah. If you're in Cleveland, you got the Browns and they always suck. So when you're Columbus, you don't cheer for any of the football Damn. teams. You're just like Buckeyes because they always win. Yeah. So yeah. we cheer for like winners in Columbus. It's, it's so snobby, but it's totally what we do. I mean, but if they keep letting you down, man, you got to <laughs> see, you know, it's like, fuck, dude. I can't cheer for these dudes. <laughs> exactly. It'll fuck up, fuck up your confidence, man. Yeah. Except uh, they had the the icky the brief icky woods and boomer Esiason yeah, era icky shuffle for the ben- Bengals, but other than that, how when, when was that? I don't know shit about 80s. sports. Late eighties. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Um, cool. And the Cavaliers have been pretty bad, except for when LeBron. Those few years of long, uh, they were actually good in the eighties, but they like yeah. but they they would just get destroyed by Jordan every year. Yeah. So when did you? So you're doing computer programming, and when did you kind of start? kind of making music and kind of putting yourself uh, out there i started making beats like my senior year of college i think that's when i got a, a eps 16 plus mm-hmm. you know i put it on layaway the year before and then i got it out and then i just stayed around making beats that whole my half my last half of my senior year which was like my second senior year mm-hmm. you know because it took me five years to finish so that's all i did that year was make beats and learn how to make beats and then i was i probably put out my first Tapes, the first Greenhouse Tapes probably came out a year after that. Okay. Then the first Illogic album, um, Shadows, came out that year as well. What year is like? It was 1999. Okay. Were you doing uh, things on like a 4-track or 8-track, or how were you like, had a, making your tapes? I had a Tascam 488 back Okay, then, tight. You know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and that's all we had, just a Tascam 488 and an EPS 16+. plus. Yeah. Did you know Illogic from uh, just Columbus? Or just like, from the Columbus yeah. scene. Yeah, <clears throat> I had saw him battling back in when he was like 14 or 15, you know, cause he used to actually be in a group with all the dudes with the megahertz mm-hmm. called like Opium Prodigy. It was like a mm-hmm. bunch of 15 year olds running around who were all really dope. Okay, I like Odd Future. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. not rowdy, they weren't like- They weren't like- not like crazy. And nobody weird. skateboarded, nobody skateboarded. I don't think none of them skateboarded back. Only Van Philippac stands, yeah. or uh, Y'all So Stupid. Oh, the okay. only skateboarders ever. Damn until, it. Until about 2000. I want to pre-day. I want to find the first skateboarding rap group, bro. That was no. It was y'all so stupid. Really? Yeah, like '93. Uh, okay. I want to look this up. Yeah. No, they were really ahead of their time, and then like you know, Pharrell. Were they good? Pharrell and uh, yeah, Van Phillip Pakistan's a good song. Okay. It's cool. pretty good. All right. Should watch Funky Flavors. Yeah. It's on. They're on Funky Flavors. They are definitely on Funky Flavors. Where are they from, dude? They're from. I don't know where you Van or uh, y'all so stupid were from. I think maybe Florida. Yeah. Yeah, about to Google that. <laughs> Get on that young Google. Um, so, and then how did you kind of what you started putting it out? Were you just doing it like independently? Like, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, you know, we wanted to be. Did like, you start waitlist at that time? Yeah, that's when we started waitlist because mm-hmm. we, you know, we didn't have enough. We really there was no scene technically to mm-hmm. like get signed you know if you were from columbus at that time i mean we wanted to be like the megahertz and have bobito hear us and all that stuff but we realized that wasn't really gonna happen we didn't have anybody to take us there so we just were like well why don't we just sell tapes so while they were kind of doing that we just started kind of like a real grassroots thing i was living in cincy everybody else was living in columbus so we started getting cincinnati and columbus kind of bubbling playing shows in both markets Mm. and we started playing in like louisville and detroit Mm -hmm. and chicago but you never did any of the scribble jam stuff or any of that stuff. Oh no, I did that oh, you all did the that time. Too. Yeah, I was in. Uh, 
I, I came in second in a in a scribble jam. No oh, really. Ninety nine battle. I lost to Sage in the front. No oh, really. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah. I have a big voice. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys both have pretty big voices, though. <laughs> yeah, he had on a wig. He, he yeah. went, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to scribble jam. You want to scribble yeah, jam? You, I want to scribble a jam. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> I think. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, like a lot of kids. It's, it's sort of like, I mean, every who wasn't freestyling at that era. Like, who wasn't? Yeah. What kid in their dorm room wasn't? There was nowhere where you can go where there was like. Like so funny, like going to Isla Vista or being at La Merton, like or going to like a studio, like like working sessions would just get fucked yeah. up because somebody would just get the bug and start freestyling. I'm glad that era is done. Yeah, you know, oh, I'm so <laughs> yeah, glad that going to show, like going to shows and just seeing like eight corners. Like yeah, you paid like, oh just you stop. paid twenty dollars for this ticket. <laughs> oh. You're not even smoking on this smoker I never patio. That shit. <laughs> like, I was like, like I got it, but it was just like, they, I mean, if you're good, but like the kids that were doing it were invariably terrible. But everybody thinks they're good yeah. because you got all this oxygen That's going true. in and out. You're fucking endorphins are fucking true. going crazy. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, what? And then was kind of the uh, then you? How did you hook up with like all the Depth Jokes guys and everything like that? Uh, well, you. It's funny because we we hooked up with them because we were friends before Def Jack started. Okay. Like I looked at it like, and even now, and a lot of people don't know, like the the first release party we had, which was the Greenhouse Effect and the Logic release mm-hmm. party. Our lineup for that show was Greenhouse Effect, Logic, all the Megahertz, uh, Adams Family came down with Cannibal what? Ox and Aesop Rock. What? Uh, this was in 1999. 99. We're at in Columbus. In, in Columbus. Called Thieves World. And us, you know, and so we were friends with them during that time because we had met online. This is when like message boards were popping, and uh-huh. you know, ATAC was selling tapes, and you know, uh, Sandbox Automatic, and so these these through these like message boards. Hip hop site was one. Yeah, hip hop site. Yeah. So we started meeting guys. I'd met all the guys from like uh, from Adam's family, and they came out, and then they would come out every year to scribble. And stay Shout out to house. Tim Alaska. Yeah, yeah, that's my yeah. guy right there. Yeah, yeah. So like when Def Jux didn't even exist, you know. So like in Rhyme Series had still had never put out. A record that wasn't from Minneapolis. Uh-huh. So like Soul Position ended up being the first non-Minneapolis group on Rhyme Sales. And was that like 2003? 2003. But we, from 2001, we had had they had had our deals. No, really 2002, the first EP came uh-huh. out. So 2001, we were signed. Uh-huh. That's crazy. So yeah. how, did, how did you break into, I guess, the whole like Minneapolis thing? Was it like a fucking like, was it a boys club? Well, or like It was more like a friends thing because it was uh-huh. like they were touring. Cause they were the first guys touring like atmosphere used to tour and it was just slug idea and abilities mm-hmm. um, when idea and abilities were like 15 they were st- touring with slug and yeah. they would come through ohio and there was a period where they came to cincinnati and uh somebody put mr dibs put us on the show to open for them there yeah shout out to dibs yeah because mm-hmm. he was he knew them before anybody and so we played there with them in front of whatever 30 mm-hmm. 40 people and then they were in columbus and since we had connections in both cities, they asked us to open in Columbus. This mm-hmm. was like a month later, we opened in Columbus, and that's when we all met and we became friends. Mm-hmm. Three weeks later, they were like, hey, we just got a Cleveland date. You guys want to come play with us in Cleveland? Make it happen. Boom, we went and played in Cleveland mm-hmm. with them. And then a few months later, they're like, hey, well, you know, we got this guy who's putting out a tape in Minneapolis. Uh, would you guys, we saw you guys got a show in uh, Chicago with uh, Adam's family. Do you guys want to come play? this release party we're like yeah who is it they're like oh it's brother ali he's got this tape called rites of passage mm-hmm. he's new you know we're like all right cool we'll do it we had man on that time so we drove from chicago to me that's how we met brother what's ali. that trip that's like four hours from uh, six hours from chicago to Sh- minneapolis okay yeah so that's kind of mm-hmm. how we started meeting all those guys and you know mm-hmm. we just all became friends back then and we used to have this thing where we used to just trade tapes mm-hmm. so like when i would see 
you know, Slug and Slug would see like Elogic or we'd see Aesop, we would all just trade the Maxell tapes. Mm -hmm. And you would get a tape and it would have like three, you know, Canox songs and five Adams Family songs and four oh, like soul position tapes? songs. Yeah, it was like that, but everyone would add to them. And so we all had tapes and we would make our own and exchange them. So like we, this was between like the, you know, the, or the Rhyme Series guys and the, and the before Jeff, Jeff Just guys like yeah, Aesop, Elogic, us, Cannibal Ox, Adams Family. We all just had this exchange we would do you know we would go to rocksteady and sleep on their couches and stuff mm -hmm. and they would come to ohio and like this was before def jux and when def jux started i look at it more like def jux was it didn't necessarily it's looked at like it created that movement mm -hmm. but i looked at it like like l saw the movement mm -hmm. he saw us he saw everything we were doing he saw how it was bubbling up same thing with rhyme Series. and that's why mm -hmm. and those labels kind of represented the movement that we kind of already were were there they're looking at these guys like yo Someone needs to sign all these dudes because they're starting to. Yeah, know. yeah. Good business is not creating shit. Yeah, you know <laughs> exactly. It's like a, like McDonald's didn't fucking invent the hamburger. Yeah, you know, it's like oh no, people really like hamburgers. <laughs> let's fucking let's fucking put a fucking logo on these burgers. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's like even Hellfire, right? Like yeah. you were like, yeah, why don't you release more rappers? And then Kev's like, why don't you start your own label? Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah with Hellfire that was like. Mike, we, yeah, these and are the people pushing, that I was kicking it with. Yeah, you didn't like you were the one who told me about Mike when he was on uh, Mush. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and ASAP was on Mush. And yeah, same like thing. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, well, then you then I, I, I have to ask actually for uh, for Curly Castro. Shout out okay. to Castro um, about the song you did on the uh, Blueprint or the Daylight EP with ASAP Rock. Kind of, yeah. kind of, how did that song come about? And that came about during one of our visits to. New mm -hmm. York during like a rock steady weekend mm -hmm. you know he and I started talking about doing music together you know because we were fans of each other yeah. mm -hmm. and I started working on soul position stuff but it was still in the demo phase yeah. you, know? and you made the beat for that song right yeah I made yeah. the beat and uh I had brought my MPC out there mm -hmm. and we were standing in uh in Long Island at a cryptic one studio yeah, yeah. and we recorded it right there you know and we, we I think I wrote my thing right there on the spot and he wrote his and we just yeah did it there that's tight dude yeah but mm -hmm. I think that same weekend or earlier that weekend he did maybe three or four songs with a logic we were just hanging out like that whole week we would go yeah. to everything we could go to that's cool and so then from the, how did you you know how did you and uh what was rj like how did you how did that kind of friendship uh, kind of well i met rj in a kind of a backwards way like in 99 or 2000 i was working on a record it was my first instrumental record it's called chamber music it was just weird mm -hmm. dark instrumental stuff and uh rj had just moved back from the bay to columbus and that's rjd2 rjd2 yeah and so um we had a mutual friend named dj true skills and dj true skills he used to be our dj mm -hmm. when we first started playing shows then and he was like man this weird instrumental stuff you're doing is bugged out he said no one's doing this he said he said but my guy rj rj's moving back from the bay you should meet him both mm -hmm. y'all do weird instrumental shit mm -hmm. y'all should meet and then the next time I came home to Columbus, that's he took me over to RJ's house. RJ played to me what would be Dead Ringer. Mm. And then I played to him chamber music. This was mm. in like 99. Yeah. And then uh, RJ didn't know I really rapped then. Mm -hmm. And so we had a show coming up with Megahertz and Greenhouse. Then he saw me rap at the show and he's like, yo, why didn't you tell me you rap? You're dope. You want to do something instrumental? I got a <laughs> single deal in London. Yeah. At the time, some some label in London, he had a single deal for. You know, he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna send you some beats." And he sent me some beats, and the first songs we did were, and that was final. That's what we wrote "Final Frontier" for. Oh, wow. This is the final yeah. frontier. Yeah. yeah, I love that shit. And he yeah. lost the single deal. Something happened where they fronted on him, and they reneged on the deal, and so he was just stuck with that. Ah, and, London. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> London. Oh. Yeah. And we did. Uh, they just jumped Cameron. 
Who ate? No, Cam- sorry to interrupt that. Cameron got. Well, let's pause it. Yeah. yeah. Cameron, Cameron got jumped, and he just he on Instagram was talking about how he got jumped by fifty guys, but him, how him and Juju were just kicking it salsa dancing, and like and then Cameron goes to the promoter. He's like, "Where's the guns?" And the and he's like, "There's supposed to be guns here." And it's like, "Why does Cameron need guns in 2014? Like in London?" Well, because here's the thing. He must have done people. You can't you can't fly out hella people. You can't drive hella people to London. Nah, you can't bring no guns in there. And then so you know there's supposed to be guns already. That should be uh, that's but like how many artists? How many artists play like play shows in London and don't have fifty guys trying to jump them? Like I I feel ninety nine point nine nine percent. London is gangster though. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty gangster. But like Cameron in two thousand fourteen, he's kind of like not like Cameron of nineteen ninety seven. Not Children of the Corn Cameron. I, I think it's the, I think it's the same. It's like you're you're arrogant. You're the center of te- your center yeah. of attention. Somebody's gonna want to rob you. Yep. Somebody's gonna want to rob you. Somebody's gonna want to talk to you too long, right? <laughs> yes. Actually, I want to talk to you about that later. As a matter of fact, <laughs> let's continue the All story. Right, continue but yeah. the story. So he I, should I, have I had a gun on his rider. I'm interrupting the story. So are you and RJD too? You're doing Final Frontier. You have, yeah. yeah. Oh, so we um so we just started recording songs, and then uh you know we recorded the first one. He's like, yo, you wanna. You want to make a group? And I was like, why not? And this was no deal, nothing. And so we just started recording. And we, just, we didn't have a name. And then I'm like, look, you guys got to. He was DJing. A, uh, he had an all 45 night mm-hmm. called Soul Position Night. And I was like, Let's, that's going to be our name. You know, he had the flyer laying around. And that's how we got the name. It yeah. was just, did you ever play it. the game Pole Position when you were younger? Of course. That was a, did you ever play that game? Is that the, the dirt the, bike game? That's Excite Bike. Excite like Bike. No, it was like car, the oh. first one of the early arcade games pole position yeah, yeah. i probably played it <laughs> at bark at, at, at your arcade at, no not my arcade my you, arcade you is, have an arcade yeah, yeah they don't have that uh, yeah. what's your favorite arcade game dig dug dig dug yeah yeah really no doubt dig dug man dude have you guys seen the new trailer to the mortal kombat game the one that's coming up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, like the animation Mike's is tight, but yeah. Wiz, the Wiz Khalifa trap song yo, that they use for that shit is horrible. Yeah, we gotta talk about. It. I interviewed Wiz Khalifa. We're not talking about it in the interest. So. Man, dude, dude. Cause, yeah, was, um, dude I, I realized that Wiz Khalifa is like the the uber chill bro. <laughs> Did I uber realize? chill? He's the uber chill bro. Like that's what the lane. Like I was like when I met him, I was like, you're just the chillest bro you're the I've chillest. ever met. Hey, like right, ever. Like you're Venice Beach. You're yeah, really, like you like literally, and like yeah, you're like you're like hey, let's go sit in a drum circle. Like, like, <laughs> like, like Wiz Khalifa says, and you're like, and like, if your other homie tells you that, you're like, yo, that's a terrible idea. Wiz Khalifa says, and you're like, yeah, because you know that Wiz Khalifa's gonna go, and like, then he's gonna start dancing around the hippies, and then everyone's gonna be like, yeah, let's hang out, Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll be like, you're okay, you're Wiz Khalifa's friend. <laughs> exactly. You might get some stanky I'll hippie like, pussy for him. <laughs> Anyways, so sorry if I offended any stanky hippie pussies. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? Anyways, um, so you're doing this, and then the first whole position comes out, I, and then I think I, I saw you guys on the definitely in the, the one at the Echo that you played. It was 2006. Was that the second album? Yeah, that was the second album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our first record, the EP, that was the the Unlimited EP. It was mm-hmm. like five songs. That came out summer 2002. Yeah, it came out right after Dead Ringer, maybe like three months after Dead Ringer. And then one of the things I liked about Adventures of the Counterculture was kind of how introspective it is, which is, it was kind of like, and I, I liked that it, it wasn't afraid to kind of pull punches and kind of just, and so I, I like when you were, it was kind of interesting when you were talking about kind of how. Say, it wasn't afraid to pull punches? Yeah, like he went out, well. That, that, that means. Right, no, he was like, he was like dissing like bands uh, that like were inspired by the roots. I like that part yeah. where you were like, just like talking about live music. Cause you know, like all live rap bands are usually terrible. Yeah, man. Yes. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> Don't like, do it. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, this is my guilty pleasure. Yeah. This is one gym class hero song that I really like. You know, you just like Tyga. <laughs> nah, I don't like Tiger. I mean, I think Tiger's cool. He's all right. I'm about to interview Tiger. I think, I think that doesn't fine. make him cool. I think Tiger's like cool. A poor, he's a very poor man's mace. I wouldn't say that. He's like a very poor man's ratchet I, mace. I, I would just say that he, he learned his lane is the strip club. He married a stripper. He has insight even Which, deeper. by the way, is the best part of the Kanye and Kim Kardashian guest list. They're like, and Tiger in Black China. Exactly. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah. I love Black China. I wouldn't marry her, though. All right, continue. <laughs> Never say never. <laughs> yeah, what if in the future, dude? Don't realize your Third future. wife down. Black China. We're right. fucking 60. She her fucking ass shots have made her ass just like two fucking Trader Joe's bags hanging off the back of her legs. Uh, <laughs> that is such a good image. Um, so then like 2005, 2006. And then I liked what you were kind of talking about where the underground hip-hop like you, you had like very like kind of i thought poignant thoughts about the underground hip-hop kind of movement and kind of where it it sort of got derivative at a certain yeah. point or started right then you you know were you feeling that at the time like oh six like you oh, started yeah. getting tired with it yeah like I, I could feel it just like i think the fans were feeling it because i think most yeah. people would say like the peak of underground hip-hop was oh five to oh seven mm-hmm. and i think around then i think some people just started feeling like it was just kind of regurgitating the same thing it wasn't evolving mm-hmm. and it became like like guys who were doing underground hip hop, mm. they were only influenced by underground hip hop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's when it started kind of like to eat itself. Well, I think I think I don't. Think I remember. Let me. This, this no, is personal yeah. shit. I remember giving going to Scribble 03. It was me and my homies, the customer service dudes, and we had like this, you know, our, our CD, and we gave it to uh, Illogic, and he was like, "This is horrible." <laughs> He came back the next day. He listened to it. He listened to it. He was like, I'm not really feeling this. It may be good, you know, but I feel like, you know, um, like, I think what was underground was changing because I feel like maybe my generation and his generation, like, uh, we were probably the bridge to, like, what was coming up next, which is, like, the cool kids and the pack div. Yeah. And so that that was underground. Yeah. Right after, you know? Yeah. So, um. Yeah, that's 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 all I think. I think and the guys that were just doing what you guys were doing over and over and exactly. over and over and over and over. I mean, even like now those guys, they just now got it, you know? Exactly. I'll see them and they'll just be spinning straight fucking, you know, trap EDM wearing fucking like <laughs> fucking H&M shirts and shit, you know? I, mean, I I definitely like felt like by around like 06, 07. And like, you know, and it was interesting when you talked about the press kind of changed and I felt I definitely felt that too cuz I would ride for a lot of like the stuff that was traditional underground hip hop, and it maybe wasn't as, but it was a very drastic change. Yeah, like it was the same people that were like writing for the Roots in like and Quali in like '99, yes. and then like Jeff Jux and Rhyme Sayers and the stuff you guys were doing in like '03, and then all of a sudden it's like I only listen to the clips. Exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to let you know that I've never liked Talib Kweli's music. Ever. I, just to say, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I get a lot of arguments saying that. I yeah, it's, it's really the biggest Talib Kweli fan, and it embarrasses. This me. brings it back to to but what I, you I'll still ride Ohio. for reflection eternal. Fucking and Black high, Star. high tech, high tech. I've always been I a like fan of high tech. Amazing, because yeah. like the songs that I like of his, I realize like no, they're just all fucking high tech songs. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. when did he stop using high tech? Even like I heard like a song called Time that he did in 2010 with high tech, and I don't think I'd like to quality songs since maybe four since then, and it was a great song because just. 
I don't I'm know, certain producers match certain rappers really well, though. Dude, but then I heard a high-tech song with fucking, like, Jadakiss and Papoose and, like, maybe Talib and Busta, and it was just, like, this, this super New York street record. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this song is amazing. I liked his high-technology compilation, the first one. Yeah, the first one was dope. Yeah, first one was Is that the one with the, with I really don't know with, what with you came yeah, for? Yeah. And Ghostface had that song, Josephine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to that's do it. That's a good, good ghost fest. Sounds like a whole lot of rap. <laughs> so you were saying you were trying to make like an album like what, Supreme Clientele, and what was the other album that you uh, I'd say Supreme Clientele, any, anything, maybe even Hard to Earn, or just like yeah. things that have to use a lot of soul samples. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of what I was, I had never done anything using a lot of soul samples, uh -huh. especially just because in a Rhyme Sayers, you know, in that vehicle, you can't just come in there with samples like that anymore. Why not? They're distributed by Warner, and you got to get everything clear. Mm. So can you do the, like the cheat thing and just have like musicians come in and play, or do you? Prefer you can that? do that. You can do that. I mean, Jake One does that. Okay. You know, but he has access to a lot of things that the average person doesn't have access to. Okay. You know, but yeah, it's one of those things where I mean, if I were selling a hundred thousand records, I probably could get all yeah. my samples cleared. Yeah. I'm just not at that place mm -hmm. to where they're like, oh, this is totally worth it. You so, know? Are, is there are you? Are your uh, what's call this? Is everything played out like or are your beats on, now? Uh, well, because it, on, the, on the adventures and counterculture, yeah, that was all. Uh, like all you should played. take like you know for like listeners, like you should like take people kind of through that era and kind of like okay. what was because I, I I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Book. So like in like in two thousand four two thousand five, I mean like everybody was kind of getting sued and you know I kind of <laughs> felt like everything was kind of like hey man you know if you're sampling you have to really really yeah. be safe you know and. uh it was the first time we had. It's like the AIDS like epidemic, sandwich. like when that happened. Just like, hey guys, I just want to sit sit you guys down. There's this thing out called getting sued. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you it's can't real. you can't raw run raw in this production anymore. <laughs> it's straight up. It was kind of like that, man. You'd hear about a guy, oh, no, Mr. Lift's got it. You know, it's like, wow, Ant just caught it. You know, like, Mr. Lift with the Colgate. Yeah. Like, oh no. Sean caught it twice, you know, it's like, it's like, straight up, it's like that, like, and you hear about it, you're like, how much, oh, 60 grand, 30 grand, 20 grand, mm -hmm. 15 grand, and you're like, I can't afford that, man. Yeah, because yeah. RJ must have been doing a lot of, like, big oh, samples, yeah. Yeah, he was getting sampled for that, people would do shicey stuff to him, like, a record he would get away with would be a small little 45, they would find out 10 years after Dead Ringer came out, yeah. buy rights to it, then go back oh, and wow. sue him. Wait, 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 wait. Explain that again <laughs> for the fucking like. Say you say you you find out R J sampled this rare forty five. It's only guy. He sampled. The, I forgot the guy's name. Like the guy on Dead Ringer. Yeah, yeah, it was right? one of those. Yeah, you'd go instead of you'd go find that guy's family. You're like, hey, I want to buy rights to this. Oh no, music for a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, whatever. Knowing that you're going to turn right back around and sue R J D two for twenty thousand, thirty thousand, you know, because he didn't clear it. Because R J was finding, he was finding like all old forty five. Like yeah. I know Ohio, a lot of oh yeah, Ohio, a lot yeah. of Ohio stuff. You yeah. know, what's so and, funny, and, man. That's probably like uh, the record digger revenge, man. Those are the coldest people. Like, cause who would know? Yeah. What the fuck that sample was, except for like one of those fucking like exactly. super thirsty no, records. But then readers. all these websites came out, like yeah. thebreaks.com, like yeah. uh, thebreaks.com came out, and then whosample.com came out. Yeah. So like a lot of, also a lot of websites did like sample com. I mean like, yeah. like a lot of great ones. I mean like, I, it's one of those things where I've got access to some of the most amazing, shout out to Hip Hop is Red, but uh, I mean they do amazing stuff, but like a lot of producers were like, yo. Yeah. Like Mad Lib, like Mad Lib was like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. do not take that off, because like, every sample they used now wikipedia has it so it's yeah like, it's not cool man it's it's dirty out there man that's why we got to go back to the g-funk era bro and bring those big ass <laughs> trident keyboards back <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I still got a trident 
You do? Yeah, I got one. You trying to let me borrow it for like a month? <laughs> it weighs like a ton. I'll pay for the shipping. I got a FedEx tour next. <laughs> you yeah. can stop by. I'll throw it in the back of your shit. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking uh, people are going to be mad. Whoever I'm tour with is going to be mad. <laughs> the strings on there are beastie. Yeah? Yeah. So, strings oh, so, are okay, so the sample shit is kind of... Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't want to do it. And then just, just that couple would just like what I was experiencing socially and musically in my music scene like by the time the 1988 record came out i was already kind of wanting to do something different Mm -hmm. you know like i wanted to mess with more instrumentation i was getting really heavily into like the local rock scene and you just going i like that you shouted out times new viking yeah those are my people yeah they're great i'm good friends with kevin elliott actually the brother of uh, adam of adam yeah like we had a weekly i don't know i can't remember the book but we had a weekly called so what wednesdays Mm -hmm. and uh adam and uh jared Worked there. Jared did sound, and uh-huh. Adam was the bartender. That's cool. Times with Vikings. So like, I saw them every Wednesday for three years straight. Yeah. So like, those are my dudes. He's drumming connections now too, which is a uh, another good band. From oh, Columbus. where? Yeah. Yeah, man. So like, like, uh, so that whole thing, and all those people were interacting in Columbus. Psychedelic horseshit. Psychedelic horseshit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matt. Horse shit. Horse shit. Horse shit. Then what was another one? It was like, anyways, I'm, eat. Oh, skull. Like eat skull. Is that another one? I was adding another one too. Was, I didn't know about this. I, He's a writer, man. I like has, my fair share of weird, noisy, yeah. psychedelic rock. Yeah, Columbus has a lot of weird, yeah, Columbus, noisy, well, psychedelic rock. Col- I mean, Columbus is... <laughs> I would not know that. Yeah. I mean, it's a college town. It's like a mecca yeah. for kind of, you know... I've never been to college. I don't know what a college... I just know <laughs> Santa... <laughs> I just know Isla Vista, which, you know, is... Uh, yeah. Other than that one thing that happened, it was known for just boobies. Uh, you know, well, every thought, college is known for boobies. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get so mad that I never went to college, bro. You didn't miss out on that much, man. What? That's a high price to pay for boobies, man. Uh, yeah, real talk. I got a lot of boobies for <laughs> free. Exactly. Seen a lot of them. Yeah, it's keep that going. Huh? It's a, you could just go to a strip club. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't. You, maybe you've done. I've, I've done them once or twice. You can go to the mall, bro. <laughs> you can go to the mall. <laughs> you can go to Scotts. <laughs> what mall is this? <laughs> boobies at every Fox mall. Hills mall. Yeah, real talk. Real talk. Um. Okay. So then you. Oh, so, yeah. so yeah so like that whole thing was kind of influencing me and I was collaborating with those dudes and a lot of those bands there and so by like 06 so about 06 I decided to kind of like learn how to like play and compose and, and really kind of get into that and I knew then that I wasn't going to be doing the heavy sample stuff anymore and so you know my my originally goal was to take a year or two and then I'd have it mastered and then I'd be out by 08 or something but it just took mm. me so much longer mm. to do it and then you know I finished the record 2010 and it came out 2011 start touring again and so that was the adventures and counterculture thing and uh and then crazy stuff was also happening too like your partner like oh yeah he stole yeah like my partner who i was running a label with stole like twenty thousand dollars what and, you know we fell out with him and actually he just kind of just dead it the like whole, when you were on tour label. right yeah. like and he just like yeah he stole twenty thousand dollars yeah just walked away like well i mean like, it was took over it, took it, it was over i can't believe you didn't period. sue him like i yeah. would like chase him to the end of the earth like, well i haven't seen him since okay i haven't seen him since like he's afraid to come around because he knows he'll get his I ass can, wait 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 what city is <laughs> what city were you in this when he columbus so where the fuck is he now He's in like a suburb, like Hilliard or some shit. It's like he way can't out. get away. You well, can't be. A, you I, mean, can, I mean, you just you just don't care that much. To well, go. I used to care. You're not trying to go to jail. That's what it is. Because well, I wasn't trying to go to jail in 08. I yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely everything you're thinking, I thought about it. I know you thought about and it, and I bro. mapped it out, and I weighed I weighed the risk. Yeah. You know, and I was like, no. Yeah. You know, but I definitely thought about. Bought a new pair of sweats and, and everything, and you like know. you know some fucking gloves. I mean, his parents live like around the corner from me. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like literally, like 
a block from my house. Yeah. He grew up a block. So you just from stop house. over for Thanksgiving. Hey, what's up, Mrs. Like, Ozu? Yeah. My best friend. Yeah, like college. I know. Yeah, we, we we were roommates all college, everything. You know. So like when people do shit like that, it just kind of. That's when I was like, oh, I don't want to do. Did the he have a drug addiction anymore. or what? Nah, he was just depressed. I think. I mean, you know, when people hate themselves, mm-hmm. they'll destroy themselves. And so it's kind of you, you know, sometimes you think someone is like doing something to you, yeah. but it's really just like the. I call it the shrapnel of them destroying themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just get caught with it. Whereas, yeah, yeah. like, his issues with himself and and wanting to be some kind of baller and, you know, wanting to be, like, the big man. And, but really he wanted not to be Dame Dash, yeah, but he, he just he couldn't dance and hold it. Oh. <laughs> he thought he was Dame Dash, man. You know, but Damn, I love, I love when, like, dudes in, like, conscious, like, underground. Not conscious, but when dudes, when dudes act like that in our scene, I love it, you know? I really... <laughs> Well, it shows you it happens at every level. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's not true. underground is not exempt. You know, it's yeah. like dudes have the same delusions of, of grandeur, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that just discouraged me. You know, then it's like everyone's dying. Oh six, oh seven. You know, Camus Tail passed. Mm-hmm. You know, DJ Prism passed away, and that was my dude. And mm-hmm. uh, this cat David Dawson passed away. You know, so this is all going on. While I'm trying to finish this record and just extended the time. You know, and the whole time you're doing this record, you're like, man, I I've put our record since oh six. Am I even gonna have any fans? You mm-hmm. know when I come back in 2011. You I know, like how people, yeah, you people usually know. think that though, right? Like you'll yeah. lose your fans. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you know, like I didn't know, and then you know, like we were saying, the whole underground scene had changed. That's a long time. That's like a four, long time. four years in like hip hop is like an entire generation. Yeah, that's how I always, I always yeah. feel like a generation is yeah. the amount of time it takes for kids to go through high school or college. Yeah, I went from 06 to 2011 Damn. without a proper release. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was wondering, like. What the hell is gonna happen? Am I gonna have anything to come back to it, or is this is this gonna be it? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put out this record. Fill it out and were you working at the time, like doing computer no, programming? No, this stuff? is all I've done since 2002. This has been my job, so yeah. 12 years, damn, full time. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Damn, Never have to fucking sit in the cubicle Not since again. 2002. Yeah, that's real. That's hard. You're programming that you could probably do from home now. Probably get a. Little I could have, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's not saying you want it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I don't. What, now, what what languages were you fluent in? Computer program. Well, I was I was like an operating system guy, so I was like yeah. Unix guy, mm-hmm. and you know, I was into database stuff. But yeah. we were using. I used to work for like Kroger, who owns like Rouse and Fred mm-hmm. Myers and Fries, and mm-hmm. uh, they own Food for Less. They own all those stores now, mm-hmm. and so I was doing like time and attendance and labor scheduling and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. You know, all these applications that ran. All, all this stuff that's like real real for show money too. Yeah, it's good money. Yeah, it was just for yeah. show money. Like you know, well, it's like they're always gonna need it. <laughs> were you playing shows yeah. during that period, or you? Just... Yeah, I was playing shows. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing you know the weekend warrior thing where uh-huh. you, you drive out Friday night, come back Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, and go to work Monday. No, so like, was the scene that you guys had kind of built in Columbus? Did it kind of like radiate like all throughout Ohio and stuff? Were you playing like a little random town? Uh, well, I mean, I'd say around '03 is when like the scene in Columbus like really kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to that, we had like. We were all, there was like one weekly event in a real small room, you know, 150, 250 cap room where everything went down every Sunday. And prior to that, and then, you know, I, like, I think like Copyright's High Exalted, then the Soul Position, first EP, then Dead Ringer came out, and then uh, Elogic's uh, Celestial uh, Got Lyrics came out. And those are all, and then uh, DJ Prism's crew, Spitball, had a lot of big records then. So like right around 03 that's when like real venues in the city started letting us play so we started moving up into the 300 to 500 cap rooms mm-hmm. and then we moved out of that spot and then you know soul position we were headlining like you know we were drawing maybe 500 mm-hmm. people around there around then and, and it, those were like record numbers for for columbus shows at yeah. that time that's amazing you know yeah. like 03 and then that's Cincinnati pretty good in la pretty, honestly like if you can find yeah. people to shout mm-hmm. that's pretty good yeah and we that's, were that's like echoplex 
Yeah. Like if you get 500 in the Echoplex, it looks nice. It's like packing, yeah. It's like packing out an Echoplex, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then like the, by 05, when like the 1988 record came out, uh, Elogic Celestial Clockwork came out. There's a guy in Columbus, we used to play named Envelope. He was drawing, he was, mm -hmm. he was drawing 500 by himself, mm -hmm. you know, so we would do big weightless blowouts in Columbus. So mm -hmm. like 05 to 07 was, was big as well. And then that's, you know, 07, that's when I kind of disappeared to kind of do this thing. And you were touring with that. You toured with Islands too, I thought. Yeah, toured Islands. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you good like, dudes. I liked kind of what you, you know, so you learned kind of a lot about melodies and stuff. Oh and yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, those dudes are badasses. Like when it came to just like melody, um, that was like a crash course. You well, know? I feel that's another thing that really hip hop changed. You know, it's like you know, I think you were talking about in the book, kind of where you were like listening to the Slaughterhouse guys, but then they, you were really a fan of them, but then like it just the beats never shifted, and it's yeah. just, I mean, but I think like that's what hip hop now. Like, I mean, it's crazy how like you almost <clears throat> can't get popular now if you don't have melody. Exactly. The exactly. biggest rap, rap song was it of last year was My Nigga, My Nigga, and that's also that in Iggy's biggest song too. Uh, those are both mustard well, look at, I mean, Drake is insanely popular. Even but Wade those both have, you know, melody. Kanye. Well, I mean, it, I think it really kind of started to change with 50. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. But I wouldn't say, like, it, I think it's always existed, though. Like, oh, for they, sure. You've always had, like, you know, um, you know, features on the chorus and, and things like that. But I think now, like, the singles, there's no more fucking, like, Rough Rider anthem singles, you know? Yeah. There's, there's no I mean, more just, like... I mean, does Kendrick blow up if he doesn't kind of, like, learn to kind of... I mean, if you listen to Kendrick's early stuff... Versus later stuff, like there's a big difference in terms of the way he's carrying melodies and just kind of he's almost singing, but he's, mm. he's rapping mm -hmm. and like the, the line completely blurred, I think, between. Did you ever, so did you ever like sing? Like you still haven't really, do you ever think about singing? Uh, I mean, I do want to do a whole album yeah. singing eventually. Yeah. I mean, I, I took some time last year and I just like wrote a bunch of like singing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I told myself that I wasn't going to do it till I had like two CDs worth of material, mm -hmm. you know, to where, you know, you got to. I'm not like, I'm from a, little brother did that too. He yeah, like, whole, like, he's, he's, he can sing, you know. Yeah. Like I want to focus to where like, because I'm not the best singer. Mm. So I want to, I want to write the best songs. Do you still have the silk shirts? It, say what? Do you still have the silk shirts? No, no, no. I got rid of silk <laughs> shirts. I wish I did, man. Silk and rain. It's like a funny parody kind of video. <laughs> I still got pictures of, of myself yeah, wearing those silk awesome. shirts. Though. So then you kind of came back in 2011. How did you kind of feel like, um, did you, were you happy with the reception? Did you find like that? You did retain a lot of the fans? Or? Uh, well, it was it was kind of, I'd say like, you know, 90% I, I felt like I got it. But then there was definitely 10% of the people who were just like, where's the 1988 shit at? Yeah. You know, why why didn't you do that? Where's yeah. the conventional shit? Why are you why are you doing all this weird eclectic shit? Yeah. And, but, you know. You were playing all the instruments. Huh? Yeah, I was playing everything. And some people would listen to the record. They, they wouldn't even know that I was the guy singing on it. Yeah. They would think I just hired a singer or someone yeah. else was singing a chorus. I'm like, yeah. no, this is me. Yeah. I wrote that. I wrote every melody every line on this album you i wrote took yeah. five years to become a different artist yeah 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 and so you know it's, it's one of those things where um every day i think the biggest gain from doing that record is that i went from being perceived as a rapper to being perceived as an artist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's something that i didn't have before before i felt like i was being viewed completely as a rapper mm -hmm. and now i think because i did that even if i come back and do a conventional record like you know the respect to architect people still view me as an artist yeah and i and i, I have more range now why, more leeway now why do you think i don't know if it's people or if it's rappers i don't know if, yeah <clears throat> i was reading an interview with some artists uh last night and um you know he, he's like also grown you know yeah. uh and from from what i knew him as but this whole there was a whole like paragraph about 
being a rapper versus being an artist. And I, I don't know, do is it like do rappers feel as if they're not artists, or do uh, yeah, well, I think, I think or is it is the public feel yeah. as if rappers aren't artists? I think it's both. I, I think, think both? rappers think they're artists, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And I think the public doesn't think rappers are artists. Yeah. Yeah. From I mean, like from my perspective, like as just journalist perspective, I feel like a lot of people, um, a lot of rappers think that they can't be perceived as an artist if they're only rapping. And there's a lot of people that probably don't perceive them, even though like there's been a lot of great straight rapidity rap albums exactly. that have been great art. Yeah. I, f- I feel like uh, there's like a few quotes that stand out, things that happen. But I remember reading about something that LL Cool J said. LL Cool J like asked like Quincy like, "Hey, are you guys?" You know, like, hey, do cats that make, you know, do the older cats, you guys, like, mess with our music, you know? I'm butchering what he said. But, you know, and then Quincy was like, dude, you're one of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is when he was young. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, it just it just bugs, it, it kind of bugs me a bit. I, and because and I've gone through it, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, it bugs me a bit when, uh, like, like, you know, if I see, like, a, a group of young kids, like, what you're talking about in, in Columbus or whatnot yeah. when you guys were coming up, right? Like, that's, like, actually... All that like rap going back and forth, like every week happening, getting more yeah. intense. That's probably the most. That reminds me of when I was a kid at uh, at, at Project Blow. You yeah. know, that's probably the most intense like uh, gathering of artists that I've ever had. Yeah. You know, and I can imagine yeah. it'd be the same. I mean, it for seems like Columbus. Yeah. I mean, it's Any, pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, the thing that when you think of like a small a small city, there's not many other small cities that have that produced that amount at that time. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think was in the kind of the water at that but time? Let me just finish what I was I'm trying sorry. to say. Sorry, but, uh, you know, it's just funny. I think, like, like kids kind of don't know their value. They don't know, like, especially rappers, you know? Yeah. Like, like yeah, I mean, it's not, you're not a full artist, but, I, you know, you're at least a, a musician, and, and yeah. I think, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are things that, that uh, cause people to devalue the art in hip hop. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, be it cultural, be it whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that definitely happens. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I do think that a lot of rappers can can do more mm-hmm. than what they even put out there. Yeah. And I think a lot of reason they don't do more is because it's what they perceive is gonna happen when they do more. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. There's just not a good history of dudes changing their styles and actually being uh well received. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like people are like, oh, you know, and maybe it's just something too with the whole. I mean, I do think it's changing though now. Like I, I do think the next generation, generation now, I don't think they have the the keep it real baggage that we had coming up. You know, we yeah. had all that. Oh, you gotta. It was rules. Mm-hmm. You know that we were taught from some older mm-hmm. jackass. You know, some which, asshole. <laughs> yeah, some, who right now he it's right. fucking. This it's noon and he smells like fucking whiskey and yes, Newports and his feet. His, yeah, fucking two divorces <laughs> yeah. off top happened. Yeah, and he's yeah. probably never put out an album. And yeah, he taught definitely. us all this keep it real shit. Yeah. That really is bullshit. Fuck that dude. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to unlearn this. Whereas mm-hmm. like the younger kids, I think I think hip hop and I think eclecticism was more integrated with them now. Yeah. You know, they're like the iPod generation where it's like it's not just sitting there with one album for it's like a generation where everything is integrated. They don't have yeah. when we came up, we literally saw hip hop split into commercial and underground. Yeah. When Puffy and Bad Boy came up, there was no such thing as club rap. And then one day, bam club records yeah. club rap this whole genre didn't exist so to yeah. us it was just hip-hop and then actually you know oh you're either club or you're this yeah. but to the yeah. new generation that's always existed there's okay. always been down south there's always been club mm-hmm. there's always been underground there's yeah. always been commercial and so then they have been. like great examples of dudes like pharrell like i feel like every new artist you know every new dudes like they're fucking n-e-r-d fans you know what i'm yeah, saying and true. like like they may not know too much about fucking like him producing, you know, all this stuff before N E R D really got him into it. Then they kinda of fall in 
fall into what it is or whatnot. So they have really good examples of dudes that are just like kind of all over the board, you know, yeah. making a rock record or a funk record and then like producing rap songs and then rapping themselves yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. And just the visual for Rail encourages mm-hmm. a lot of kids too. You know, he's got yeah. a skateboard. He doesn't, he doesn't try to be a tough guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely the, the archetype that a lot more don't fit in than the gangster archetype. You know, they don't fit into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then uh, the new album, Respect the Archetype. Yeah. Um, when did you start recording that kind of? Uh, I actually have had bits and pieces of that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the funny part is I used to try to, there's there's songs in the record where I tried to give those beats to multiple different dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and dudes would be like, no. Really? Yeah, they wouldn't really hear, you know, I was like, hey man, you would sound good over this soulful beat right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should try it. Because I was like, hey, I'm not really sampling right now. And they would be like, uh, I don't know. What years were you giving these beats out? I'd say maybe 08 till 2012. And they were really 2013. soulful? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And people just weren't rocking with them. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I would have them on all kind of beat tapes. And then eventually I was like, well, why don't I try to do something? You know, and I, I since I'm the only person who hears this, mm-hmm. and I just started putting it together one verse at a time. And then, like, late last year I started really assembling it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just finished it by the end of the year. Tight. How did you, what do you feel that you learned kind of in the adventures of counterculture that you kind of took over to the new record? I learned a lot of lessons, man. <laughs> you know, I learned about, like, don't take yourself too seriously. Like a lot of things as an artist, you know, just because you put time into something doesn't mean that people are going to necessarily get it or embrace it. It's not about time. It's about effectiveness. You know, you can take, you can write a rhyme in five minutes that touches people more than one you took a year to write. You know, and a lot of times when we do art, we think that time equals value. And that's not true at all. You know, value equals value. Mm. Usefulness equals value. And that's what I learned from that. I learned that, you know, you can have this beautiful thing out there, but if it's of no use to anybody, they're just going to stare at it. Mm. And the simple thing that is of use to people, they're going to use it. It becomes a soundtrack of their lives. It becomes like, you know, something that they can can use every day when they Mm. do them. You know, I was watching the Steve Jobs movie with Ashton Kutcher last night. I'm sorry. Ashton Kutcher is in plays Steve Jobs. He plays Steve Jobs. Yeah, that's a weird one. I haven't seen that movie yet. Yeah, but it's just a, Steve Jobs is just that dude. Too. Just like, yeah. like nobody's going to use this shit. I, I feel like he said that in the movie a few really? times. Like, you know, it's all about him getting kind of kicked out of his own company. Yeah. And then, like, when he came back, he was like, man, I just want this, like, you know, this stuff to be like, you know, things that people just get addicted to having in their hand. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's real. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, music is like that. People don't tend to look at music like that. People look at it as like just this artsy thing over in the corner that we throw on when we have a good time. But, I mean, the things that are the most popular are the most useful. Mm-hmm. They fit the most moves in people's lives or, you know, oh, yeah, that was a soundtrack to my high school right there. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I broke up with this chick, so I listened to this guy all night, you know. Mm-hmm. So where do you? how do you see yourself as an artist right now? I see myself free. I see myself being able to do whatever I want to do. And I and I feel like people are getting it. Like, I feel like... And just this tour has been really uh, encouraging. You know, there were definitely moments when... When I first started doing the Adventures in Counterculture show, people would just stare, like... Then i get done and be like, dude, I've never seen anything like that. But it was... Mm-hmm. But the people who had the rock influences totally got what I was getting. Mm-hmm. The people who knew, like you're saying, like the high psychedelic horse shits. And, the, yeah. and you know that... You, they knew that I would, what I was doing on stage with the pads and the crazy bass player and mm-hmm. all this. They got it. And, yeah. and the guitar, they, they got what I was doing. It was just like going to a, a show in an art space or going to a little, you know, a house show. It was no different than that. Yeah. You know, but and now I feel like because I've done that, I have the freedom to do 
a lot more things now whereas mm -hmm. before i didn't i didn't have that I, I was just like you have to give us this you have to give us that mm -hmm. and i've seen like my fan base definitely like expand mm -hmm. you know and so i don't i don't feel like i have to do anything uh specific next i don't have to recreate the same record anymore yeah what do you have you worked on a new record that you're... yeah i got a new record pretty much done uh -huh. yeah i got a couple more things that are done what's that direction uh it's i would call it it's like the first record where i think i've integrated everything mm -hmm. like i tried to integrate like being an instrumentalist mm -hmm. being a, an mc and being a, a singer all in one but even do it even better whereas before i wasn't really messing with the instrumentalism you know i do songs in a live set now where i don't i don't even rap you know, mm -hmm. it's just straight up instrumental stuff mm -hmm. and using my segues. And I'm trying to put something together. Like the album is like that. It's where it's just completely integrated. That's you know? crazy. It was a new one out ahead of his time. On Weightless or on Rhymesayers? Oh, uh, I don't even know. Like yeah. the, I finished the record. The like, last one, Respect the Artist. Respect, on yes, on Weightless. Yeah, I don't know where the, the next record's going to come out on. You know, I'm kind of yeah. just going through the process now. Like mm -hmm. I have a fortunate situation where I'm allowed to put out my own stuff and I don't have like a exclusive deal thing like that yeah. with Rhymesayers. So as, as projects. Yeah appear that's like the the, the the last uh greenhouse albums you put out or you put yeah. out like two yeah. right like yeah. was it 2012 yeah yeah those were yeah. good records i feel like also a logic is very unsung too like oh completely like a rapper somebody yeah. with blockhead was good too um so and then you're playing like you have 30 more when when's the tour wrap up july 12th okay so this will yeah, probably be so out before then so yeah May so, 1st of July 12th. Are you playing in LA tonight? No, we play Fullerton tonight. Fullerton tonight. You yeah. have an LA date? No LA date. God damn it. Hey man, we tried, you, man. You gotta holler at me, bro. LA, I know. I you gotta holler at me. I'll be willing and dealing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for coming through and everything. Hey, thanks and for having what's me. What's the best man. way for people to do Twitter or Facebook? Uh, yeah, they can hit me at uh, my website is printmatic.net. Uh, my, my Twitter handle is at printmatic. And, uh, Are you still writing? Uh, yeah, stuff on yeah, blog? yeah. Uh, the beginning of this year, all I wrote about was like production stuff mm -hmm. on the blog. So like the first two months of writing is all about like tips and, and things because I want to yeah. kind of write a production book. What's the best way to get Adventures of Counterculture? Uh, they can get it from iTunes. They can get it anywhere. Yeah. Or the book. Too. Oh, the book. Oh, they can get. The, well, the the the, book, yeah. the digital version is on Amazon. Uh -huh. The physical version you have to order from my site, Primatic.net. Cool. Or yeah, come to a show. It's a good book. Yeah, I know. It's a uh, that and like Jay Zone's book are really like mm -hmm. some of the better books like that written by musicians the last few years. I think so. Thank you. Was, well, thanks for coming through. Thanks for having me, guys. Hell yeah! Thank Appreciate you, bro. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah.